Welcome to the season three finale of So Strange. I'm your host, Andy Myers. I'm an author and paranormal researcher who is lucky enough to know some real weirdos. And I mean that in the best way possible, of course. It's been nearly two decades since I dipped my toes into the paranormal swimming pool, and somewhere along the way I fell headfirst into the deep end. And ever since, I've crossed paths with plenty of interesting people. People who have seen UFOs, people who have seen portals inside their homes, people who hear heavenly voices and things that go bump in the night. And I've rounded up a few of them for your listening enjoyment today. Keeping with the season finale tradition, today's episode will be a hodgepodge of all things strange, a buffet of boo, if you will, a compilation of multiple stories spanning several paranormal genres. So dim the lights, close the curtains, and secure your earbuds because things are about to get so strange. Okay, everybody, I'd like to welcome Melissa to the show. Melissa, welcome to the season finale of season three on So Strange. How's it going? I'm good, Andy. Thank you so much for inviting me to this exciting event. This is going to be a darn tootin' good time because uh, I've known Melissa for a while, and I will have all the listeners know she has more unusual stories, perhaps, than anybody I've ever met. <laughs> you, you name it, paranormal, extraterrestrial, signs from the afterlife, synchronicities, and, you know, I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but I'm, I'm just really excited because you have some doozies lined up for us, and it's something for everyone. That's what I like about, you know, the, the stories that Melissa has to share is, you know, here on So Strange, we pride ourselves on variety, you know, a little bit of something for everybody. We're not strictly ghost stories. We're not strictly, you know, uh, premonitions about the future. We're, we're not strictly UFOs. We're everything. So, um, where do we want to start, Melissa? Do you want to start with, uh, you know, something that's out of this world or do you want to start with something a little more down to earth? Where, where should we begin? Well, I think most of my stories are a little bit out of this world related. And I, maybe I should just go back to my very first experience when uh, I was in high school. Would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. So back in the day, you know, before we had cars, my, my best friend and I would walk to the mall, the bluffs. I lived in Council Bluffs, and it's a pretty much straight shot from my parents' house to the mall. We had like maybe two turns, and you're on the main road to the mall, the bluffs. And we left in the daytime, probably like 5 o'clock, because we knew it would take us at least, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to walk there. And it was still daylight, and then all of a sudden, like, we have no memory of being at the mall. We just, I call it waking up. We were in this cul-de-sac of this neighborhood near the mall, and we both were just looking at each other in in utter confusion of how in the heck we ended up in the cul-de-sac, and it was like two and a half hours past the time that we had left my mom's house, and we have no recollection of anything that happened in between those times, it's, and to this day, I don't know what happened. Oh, my gosh. If we had a magic wand and we could somehow bring that memory to the forefront of your brain, would you want to know what happened? I would absolutely love to do a past life or a past regression on right. doing that to see what would have happened that time. Because like, it's not like we it was just me who recognized it. It was my friend as well. I'm a little goofy and have lapse of memory and lapse of time all the time. So for me, it's kind of like, okay, well, you're just crazy, Melissa. 
but for my friend to experience it at the same exact time kind of makes it seem like something more happened. Well, pride yourself on that goofiness, my friend, because, uh, you know, it's, it's the oddballs that are the interesting people on the planet. And, but no, I, in all seriousness, it does lend uh, quite a bit of credibility that you had a, another eyewitness with you. Uh, first of all, it makes you feel more sane, like, okay, it wasn't just me. Right. This really did happen. Uh, perhaps most importantly, someone or something owes you two and a half hours of time they stole from I you. know. I guess I didn't waste it at the mall, at, the, at least. Maybe <laughs> I contributed to science in the alien world that, or something. You know, I, back then, it was it was the cool thing to do, right? To go to the mall and hang out. That's what you did. It was. I didn't make it that night. You sure did not. And that was back when, uh, before people were, you know, just staring at their cell phones all day. People would go yeah. to the mall, they would shop, they would socialize, they'd go to movies, and here I am sounding like an old fart, you know, back in the good old no, days. No, back in the day, we didn't have cell phones or computers, nothing. We had to go and entertain ourselves. Well, and that's a good point. You know, had you had a cell phone and technology back then, you know, maybe that would have uh, helped you identify what happened. Like, did, you know, did, would your phone get glitchy afterwards? Uh you know, maybe if you had that like kind of GPS tracker, you know, app working on your on your iPhone, it could have like tracked your whereabouts. Like, how did you get from point A to point B in this yeah. in this cul-de-sac? Now, was this cul-de-sac anywhere near the mall? Yeah, it was probably about two blocks from the mall, but it was on the same side of the street, just not in the mall next to the mall. And I have a lot of friends say, well, were you drunk? And then he just blacked out. Well, you don't come out of a blackout sober. So... No, That's, you sure don't. And this is my my, my uh, backup reason for the missing time not being caused by a blackout. Well, yeah, and you know you're you're a sane person. You're you're credible. You know we on this show we believe you if you say you were sober. And and again, it's it's your friend experience the same thing. Um, now I have to ask, and and you know forgive me if if you can't remember. I I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it was roughly five o'clock ish when you left. Depending on the season and time of year. Two and a half hours later, it's roughly seven thirty. Was it was it dark by the time you came to, it or was, was it dark. still? Maybe it wasn't. I might be wrong on the time that we were gone, but I do remember it being dark because we we were like still flabbergasted, like where we were in the dark in the in this cul-de-sac, and yeah, all this time had gone by. So we didn't. I don't think I wore a watch even back then. So maybe it was more than two and a half hours. I don't know. I don't really think about the time as much as not knowing where the heck we were or what happened or how we got to where we were. Well, it's a very definition of so strange. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you don't have a watch and you don't have a phone, there's, there's really no way of telling how long exactly you were gone, but it was light when you left. It's dark when you came to in this cul-de-sac. Um, you know, after the fact, did, did either you or your friend discover any strange markings on your body? You know, you hear some of these, uh, abduction cases or missing, missing time cases and a lot of people kind of link it to alien abduction phenomenon um and a lot of people who have been taken you know experiencers or or contactees whatever term you're comfortable with but a lot of people end up with strange markings or scars or um even almost like geometrical uh markings on certain parts of their body almost like they were experimented on was it did you find that to be true or not so much in your um, case actually back then i didn't pay that much attention to it uh but later on in life, I always notice little things on me. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how I got any of them. I'm not really a, I mean, I might seem like I'm an adventurist, but I, I'm very kind of cautious when I go out. 
I don't know. I can't explain them. But I do have a lot of scars and weird things, but I don't know. I honestly can't say what they're from. Sure. Well, and, you know, and I know, you know, you say you're, sometimes your memory plays tricks on you a little bit. But after that experience, did anything come back at all? Any, any memories, any inklings, any uh, intuitions as to what might have ha- may have happened that night? I have had nothing. It's like everything was completely obliterated, obliterated. In my yeah. And that's what I would love to do. A... Oh, someone's at my door. Oh. Um, sorry. It's okay. I thought something like flew off the table or something. Well, maybe would... it's them telling me, shut up. Don't be talking about it because I don't have anyone supposed to be in my house. Ladies and gentlemen, Melissa has men in black at her door right now. <laughs> It's all fun and games till something like that happens, though, because you have a lot of people. I don't know, like, because there's actually nobody at my door right now. But there was a knock at your door, though? Did you hear it? I, I, yeah, I did hear I did hear it. Wasn't it wasn't really a knock. It was just a click, click or something. I don't know. Oh, boy. They got they got your phone lines bugged, my friend. <laughs> don't be talking about that. You know, but... In all seriousness, we've done entire shows on this program before about Men in Black. You start, you know, publicly talking about ET and alien and extraterrestrial contact, and people have weirdos wearing black suits showing up at the door saying you didn't see anything, don't talk about anything. Uh, so if that happens, you be sure to, you know. Oh, I'll give you the first no. I don't know where that came from. That was really bizarre. But is yeah. it though? Really, it's not that bizarre. Well, you know, that's the thing is the paranormal becomes normal when he, when it happens so often, right? Yeah, and that's what I love. I'm glad I get to actually talk about it and not look like I have three heads right now. Well, anymore, no, I mean, anymore, you're almost like the odd one out if you're not open-minded to paranormal stuff. You know, I anymore, I mean, seriously, Melissa, I'm meeting more people who have seen a UFO than those who have not. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. I love it. And I know our listeners can't see this, but we're doing a, a video interview right now. And you're wearing a hoodie. Does that say Mount Shasta? Yes, it's Mount Shasta with a little alien ship on it. See, and behind me on my bookshelf here at So Strange Studios, I actually have a little piece of, I think it's green tourmaline, that a friend of mine sent me from Mount Shasta. And it's supposed to be a rock or it's like a kind of a crystal, kind of looks like um, emerald maybe. But it allegedly supposedly has uh, some sort of special properties that uh kind of calls the aliens in almost like a homing beacon now maybe mine's not working i've been asking them for years to take me for a spin through the cosmos and and i haven't been abducted yet that i remember i was going to say maybe you don't remember it maybe i don't remember it but it, it kind of brings to mind you know that old movie with will smith and tommy lee jones the men in black where they they kind of do the memory eraser and yes. the people see a flash of light and then they can't remember what happened. So it just makes me think maybe that night when you didn't quite make it to the mall, maybe their memory eraser was set to the highest setting. And that's why you don't remember. Something anything. has to be because even to this day, I don't remember. The, what I remember most is her face. And when I was looking at her and she's running her hands through her face saying, how did we get here? Were we abducted by aliens is actually what her first thing was. And I picture that image so vividly in my mind, and that's the most vivid image I have from that night. It's remarkable. And uh, I'm going to try to pipe down and let you do some more talking here. But you have another story, if I'm not mistaken, uh, kind of sounds similar to like a, almost like an alien ping pong ball in the sky. Do you want to walk people through that that encounter? Yes, it was uh, February 6th of 2019, I want to say. It was right at the right before COVID actually hit. 
I was driving home from Arlington, Nebraska, where I was working as a with a senior person, and I saw a a big ball of light in the eastern sky, and it was eight like eight thirty at night, so it was dark, so you could see it pretty vividly. There's no flashing lights. There was no sound. There was no nothing coming from it. It was just a big ball of white light. Like if you were to look at the the moon, but all as bright iridescent light, and then it started coming closer as to me towards the west. It came towards the west towards me, and I was on a country road, so I was trying to pull over to get a picture or video of it. And I don't know if it was my nerves and excitement, but my phone kept falling, or maybe they didn't want me to get a video of them. I don't know. I just know that my phone kept falling, and I couldn't get the video, the phone to, to get the video. But it stopped, right? I would say it was a quarter of a mile from where I was parked. I parked on the side of the road to get a better look. And it stopped right above the, kind of like I would say the horizon, but it wasn't that far off. It was a quarter mile from me about. And it was probably about, I would say, less than that above the, above the ground. And it was bigger than the, I don't know if you know the Millard Water Tower but it was like two of those around in size. And it just stopped and hovered right over the land, the land right there. And then I was just watching this. And I cannot tell you how much time passed, but it was really exciting to see this ball of light. It just stopped and there was no sound. There was no wind. There was nothing coming from it. I had my window down so I could hear it, but there's nothing to hear. And then all of a sudden this beam of light projected out of the ball of light towards the west and it was in the shape of a V so as it went out west further the wider it got and kind of like over my car but not it wasn't like touching my car or anything but it was over the roof of my car and then it did that for about two minutes I would say give or take and then the beam went up into the sky and then everything vanished there was no sound there was no trail of lights there was nothing it just just vanished into the sky so then I was driving home I completed my excitement my hands were shaking and I was so excited I still kept looking up over the sky and on another road coming back home there was four of them in a pattern not as low to the ground so you couldn't see the definition of the circle but you could see that there were four of them in like the, the, the dots on a, on a dice that's what pattern they were in in the sky this is extraordinary. I mean, I I have goosebumps listening to this. So you you're okay, the first the first sighting. You have something twice the size of a water tower at a quarter mile away. A quarter mile is not very far. You got a you got you have a good vantage point yeah. to see this thing. That's massive. I mean, if you could just, you know, if you're listening here, if you're from a small town or ever passed through a small town, you see these water towers. They're not small. They're big. And so whatever you saw was twice that size and glowing and, and iridescent and silent, which, okay, this thing doesn't have wings. It doesn't have an obvious method of propulsion. Thereby, it's already defying the laws of physics, unless it's a balloon. But last I checked, balloons can't phase out of existence in the blink of an eye. Or, or uh, put out beams of light. Oh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> you know, that's wild, man. Um, So as you're looking at this did you did you eventually get out of the car 
I, I stood outside my car briefly, but then I got back in because I didn't know what the heck was going on. But I had my windows down for the derailment of the time until it vanished. Okay. At, at yeah. any time, did you were you fearful or was it excitement? I mean, emotionally, what are you feeling? I in had this no moment? fear. I was so excited because I'm always looking up in the sky because I just feel like such a connection to whatever's out there, and I just was. That's why I was trying to get the picture and trying to get the video, and then I was like. You can take me with you. I'm here and ready to go. And it was the night before I was going to have a major surgery. So I was like, really, are you going are are to take me now before this happens? Are you, what's going on? So it was like, just take me. I'm done. I'm done with this planet. But they didn't. Evidently, I hadn't graduated or something. <laughs> <laughs> didn't graduate. Maybe they were there to let you know the surgery was going to go just fine and you still have work left to do here. Yeah, I did hear a story like a, a Native American have a similar experience before a big big procedure one time so it's like after the fact i heard that and i'm like oh that's really cool maybe that's what they were doing well you know it's really strange i never made this connection before you you said this and i've i've talked about my one of my ufo encounters on here before i saw a triangle shaped craft fly right over my head um after i got out of a late movie it was midnight coincidentally over near millard in in the area of omaha and it flew right over my head, but it, it, now that I think about it, it was just a couple days prior to a major surgery that I was going to have. Yeah, see? And, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they do this to reassure us everything's okay. Um, We're I don't know. Kind of wish they would heal us so we didn't need the surgery anymore. You know what I mean? But then again, that wouldn't be the experience you're supposed to be experiencing, right? Yeah, yeah, Yahtzee. You got that one right. <laughs> um, so you were never scared. You were just excited. Um could you feel anything in in the air? You know, sometimes like when a you know you feel like a thunderstorm approaching in mid July, and you can, you can kind of taste and feel the electricity in the air. Could you feel anything? I mean, I know you said it was silent, but like, did the pressure change around you or anything like that, or was everything pretty normal? I really cannot say. I think because I was so excited. I don't know if you ever you know that feeling when you get so excited, your adrenaline is just pumping and pumping. That's basically what I was feeling. Okay. Like so intense just, adrenaline. Sure. You, you almost feel like you could just run a marathon because you just have so much blood pumping through you. Yeah. Yes. So, and then they appeared uh, not too long after, almost in a formation of four. You you described it almost like uh, the dots on a dice. Um, now, was this the same uh, encounter, Melissa, where they were kind of ping-ponging back and forth in the sky, or was that a different? No, they were not at this time. This time, they were just kind of gliding. They weren't okay. moving fast. They weren't moving in different directions. They were just kind of a light hover to a glide heading east. Okay. So what was the encounter then where you said they were kind of zipping back and forth? Almost that was like, when uh, I first saw the ball of light. Okay, I gotcha. <clears throat> At the very beginning when I was driving on the highway. And then when I pulled over is when it came and and we we were joking before before the recording. It was almost like that old Atari game where that white ball is just kind of bouncing back and forth, not even turning, but just like yeah. stopping on a dime and going back and forth. That's exactly what it was doing. Yeah, and That's by the way, plane or a helicopter or a, what's the what's those flying things? Oh, it can't could be a drone. Yeah, um, <laughs> can be a drone. Couldn't be a helicopter. Planes don't do that, you know. Because what we're talking about is something that defies the laws of physics. If something is flying in one direction, it can't immediately stop on a dime and go the opposite direction at the same speed. Because if a human's on board, it's going to rip their body in half. 
And even if it's a mechanical uh, drone, for example, it would rip the mechanics apart. It would, it would, you know, completely obliterate the hardware and the software. So again, you know, it kind of makes you wonder and, and theorize, are these aliens coming here? Are they more, are they not just extraterrestrial or are they interdimensional? Because a lot of people report just what you did. They don't necessarily always fly off at the speed of light. They will just literally blink out and disappear. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of interdimensional. Good segue uh, here. What you got next? Aliens. Should we talk about the thing that happened just two days or three days ago? Let's 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 do it. <laughs> so like I, I kind of uh, I don't know. There's so many stories I can't even think. But this one, since it happened so recently and you were talking about interdimensional. I was sitting in my living room, and I don't even know what I was doing at the time, but I could see out of my peripheral something, some light, and so I looked directly over to it, and there was, I don't know, maybe about two feet of length, I don't know, and about two feet width, you know, like if you uh, have a, uh, like a, a balloon that cuts a tear in a hole in it, and there's that empty stuff inside, I saw that, but there was like, lights and colors all just kind of swirling inside of that. I call it a tear in the dimension or in the matrix or in the, I don't even know what you want to call it, but it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my living room or really, I can't say ever because I see a lot of really weird stuff, but I felt like I was opposed to, I wanted to so jump up and go in there and go to another freaking dimension. That's what that was happening. It's like, what in the heck just happened in my living room? Well, you'd be like Alice down the looking glass or down the rabbit hole or however you choose to say that, right? Um, yeah. through, the, through the looking glass, you know, going tumbling down into a different reality. Um, was this, was it glowing? Was it making sound? What, what it color was it? Sound, but it was just like, a, it looked like a galaxy. Actually, it just came to my head right now. It looked like a galaxy inside. Kind of like um, when you look in photos of like the Hubble and you, there's colors of, and smoke. I don't want to say smoke, but just like hues of color. That's what it was like. Yeah, almost like uh, I believe they call those nebula. Yes, that's yeah. what it what it looked like. Yes. It so was, you it was had new. you had potentially a portal open up in your living room. That's the word I've been looking for. Portal. Yes. This this is nuts. This is insane. I mean. And and the the gumption, the courage it takes for you to even think, hey, maybe could I, should I, would I, you know, do I want to jump through this thing or do I not? You know, I think there's two types of people in the world. There's a type of person who runs towards a portal and the other type of people who run away from a portal. Um, I would run towards it. <laughs> Had it lasted a little bit longer, I probably would have gotten up and at least put my finger through it. Right, right. Just E.T. phone home. Yeah. <laughs> right. I outside of my house all the time and I look up and I'm like, just take me, will you, please? You have permission. <laughs> well, maybe that's what happened that one day on the way to the mall, right? You just accidentally walked into a portal, popped out in a cul-de-sac and- yeah. Oh, that's a know, good, that could be. I feel like know. I'm timeline shifting all the time. I'm so exhausted half the time and I don't remember what the heck's happening in my life right now or in each little moment. It's like, what the hell am I doing here right now? <laughs> Is it almost like your your dreams are getting blurred with reality and you're just not even sure where you're supposed to be? I don't even know if it feels like a dream. It really feels like I'm bouncing back and forth, like split second times. Well, you're not the only one who's interested by this, uh, you know, this topic because, you know, you just turn on 
Disney Plus or, you know, Netflix, and there's so many shows and so many movies that depict uh, multiverses, you know, in the, you know, I'm kind of a nerd. I kind of like the, the, the Marvel Universe, you know, you got the Iron Man and you got Spider-Man and the Hulk and all these things. And somebody once told me to watch Doctor Strange, and I did, and it's kind of, you know, multiverse and multidimensional, and he's hopping through different timelines and different realities. So if that's happening... With you, Melissa, I mean, maybe there's a, a million different versions of you in a million different universes. And in one, you're poor. And in one, another one, you hit the lottery and you're rich. And in another, you're, you're, you know, a social worker. And another one, you're an artist. And who knows, maybe you're living all these existences simultaneously. Uh, that's, you know, the more I learn and the more I read, the more I believe that we all could be doing that. Well, no wonder we're all so tired, right? Exactly. Like I had a dream that a couple of night, week, months ago that I was like in a flying thing. I don't know what it was. And I was grabbing other aliens up off another planet into the ship. And then I was like, that was too real. The next day I was so exhausted. Like I had been on a mission in my dream. Maybe it wasn't a dream. Maybe I was actually on a mission picking up and saving these other ETs. <laughs> no big deal. Just a Tuesday night, right? <laughs> But given your prior experiences with, you know, seeing UFOs, portals, missing time, I mean, this is this is textbook. Yeah, of course you would have a dream like that. And it's kind of a head scratcher makes you it does seriously make you wonder if it was more than a dream. Yeah, I, I always wonder that, especially when it comes to stuff like that. Well, we have opened up Pandora's box, and I don't know if there's a way to put the lid back on this thing. So let's just leave it cracked for now. We're going to have Melissa back on a future episode of So Strange where she can completely hog the spotlight. And I'm sure when we do that, we're going to go, you know, more than an hour with just your stories alone. Uh, but as for today, thanks for getting our season finale off to a good start, Melissa. Uh, thanks for having me, Andy. It was really good. And I love being able to share this with people who aren't looking at me like I drunk or high or crazy no you're in good company you yeah. know we got a lot of a lot of weirdos listening and i i mean that in the best way possible yeah so, the uh, best people ever oh yeah i mean i'm gonna get a t-shirt made that say you know normal normal people are boring you know yes, the weirdo i will buy one for you from you for sure <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh you have yourself a good evening uh thanks for being a guest on the show and we'll catch you next time melissa thanks Andy. it's great to see you thank you bye bye everyone Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, consider that interview the appetizer. Uh, we'll definitely have Melissa back on the show sometime soon to hog the spotlight because no doubt she could probably fill an hour-long standalone episode with all of her high strangeness. Uh, but we've had a lot of talks about portals on the show recently. You know, Fred saw one in his house, as he described on last week's episode, and then there was the portal that Justin saw inside of his laundry room on the last episode uh, for subscribers on the Super Strange bonus episode last week. And you can become a subscriber today if you wish, and you can unlock a bonus episode each and every week. Not to mention that you can binge on the back catalog of bonus episodes, and at the time of recording this, there are 24 bonus episodes and counting. 
Uh, but here we are again with the portals talk. So Melissa seeing a rip in the fabric of space and time or something. You know, that's the cool thing about portals. We're left wondering, what the hell are they? You know, dimensions to other worlds, wormholes to rendezvous with aliens, a time travel tunnel. All we can do is speculate. Mirrors have always been intriguing to me. In fact, all reflective surfaces have uh, stories that are told about uh, the ability to see spirits, to, be, to see other faces, and even possibly to open up portals into other worlds, other dimensions. There are many stories about that. In the practice of feng shui, where the whole practice is predicated on where to place things in your room, so that the energy flows in a certain way. They are very, very meticulous in explaining where you should and should not place mirrors for that very reason, that there may actually be a window that would lead to another world and perhaps a place that you, you don't want to be. Now that clip was brought to you courtesy of the History Channel over on YouTube. It was a clip from a show called The Proof is Out There, which I highly recommend that show. Can't get enough of it. Uh, coincidentally, the lady speaking in that clip was none other than best-selling author Alexis Brooks, who uh, interviewed me a few years back and was kind enough to help me promote one of my books at the time. And as you heard, she was talking about mirrors and how they might act as portals or gateways to other dimensions. And I've never really given much thought to that notion, but, you know, maybe she's really onto something there. In fact, my friend Craig, <laughs> come to find out, places a blanket or a bedsheet over his bedroom mirror each night before bedtime. And he says it's uh, his attempt to prevent unwanted things from coming and going. You know, things we can't see, things we can't quite explain. But moving on from portals, our next guest wanted to share a strange event that was quite literally heart-stopping. So here's what Dwight had to say. Okay, up next we'd like to welcome Dwight to the season finale of So Strange. How's it going, my friend? Pretty good. Good. Thanks for being here. Um, so you have a couple different stories uh, different, but kind of a similar kind of signs from the beyond type of thing. So where should, uh, where should we begin? Well, we could, uh, start about a ghost or spirit uh, story that I had that was at my, my house. Um, it was, I believe it was my mother-in-law. She had, uh, had cancer and passed away in our house, uh, at hospice. Shortly after that, we, you know, started having weird things happening, doors were opening uh you know i'd go to bed and shut the door and before i'd get to sleep i'd hear the door open and she had a thing she always left it about three inches open did she just not like doors closed she just wanted like it was just a quirk yeah i'm not really sure what her motive was there but it was always about three inches you know i might be watching tv in the family room and the door was shut and i'd hear the door open and I'd be waiting for my wife to come in there, and nobody comes, nobody comes, and get up and look, and no one was ever there. Um, so, And this went on for quite a while, I would say maybe two years. Um, she had a couple other things, too. This was a kind of ironic one. I had a, a guy overlaying carpet in my basement, and I wasn't home. No one was home. He was there by himself. And all of a sudden, I get a call from him. He said, is your house haunted? I said, Oh, my mother-in-law is there. She passed away there, and I think her spirit's still roaming around there. I said, what happened? He said, well, all the clocks by the front door fell off the wall. Like multiple clocks? Like ten clocks. My wife had, like, little clocks, 
and they all he was down there working and they all crashed down he went up there and they were all laying on the floor none of them were broken and none of the nails were bent down or anything but she was just letting him know that she was there is what i believe what a what a uh, obvious way to do that yeah you know? let me yeah. throw a couple let me throw a dozen clocks on the ground yep um so, I mean, how did you feel when you had to break the news to him? Like, it's not often you get a call with somebody asking, is your house haunted? I mean, yeah, I said, yeah, I, I believe my mother-in-law is there and she's just telling you that she's watching you. Don't be doing anything, you know. And so it was uh, pretty heart stopping for him. There's another instance there where my son-in-law needed to get something from our house. We weren't home. I said, the sliding glass doors open. Just go ahead and go in. We have a two story house. Well, he got what he wanted, he's going to leave, and walks out the door, and he said something was just telling him to turn around and look, and he looked up at the second floor window, and there was a woman standing in the window. Oh, boy. And he hightailed it out of there, and he would, he would never go back in that house by himself ever again. <laughs> just wasn't his cup of tea, huh? No, no. Wow. Now, the, the open the door, the leaving the door open three inches was kind of her trademark, and Prior to recording, you you were telling me that there was doors that were moving. They'd open or they'd close when basically when nobody was watching until they get to the point where it was just like a three inch gap, just how she yep. liked it, right? Yep, it was always three inches, and you could have the door locked, and it would still get open to th- about three inches. She liked an open floor plan. Something, you can say. something. I don't know. Now you were pretty close with your mother-in-law. It sounds like I was very close with her, and. Uh, yeah, she presented herself to me several, several times, but never did present herself to my wife that I, I'm aware of. So I, I don't know what that was about. But, yeah, she was there for quite some time. Now, was your wife a little more – was she a little more skeptical? Or are you a little more open? Is that kind of – I think that probably was it. Yeah. Um, I think it actually was right after I – not long after I came to you for my first psychic reading and, you know, some of the classes that you gave. So Yeah. Well, I, I always say, you know uh, – you know, people who look for signs tend to get them, you know, so, and it, it's nice to have a haunted house when it's somebody who you knew who was a good person, whole different sack of potatoes when it's somebody you don't know that may or may not have malicious intent, right? Right. No, I never had any, I was a little bit scared the first time, but then after that, I never had any bad feelings or was never scared or nervous or anything. It just, you know, I just knew she was there and you know and then one day she was just gone and i could feel that she was gone and she she never came back after that do you think maybe she do you think her do you think she was like an earthbound entity uh during that time you were getting all those signs or do you think she had in fact crossed over and when she was moving the door and things like this she was just stopping by to visit like what's your take on that i think she i think she crossed over and came back is what yeah. i think because there was a pretty decent period of time in there you know after she passed away until this stuff started happening so sure and then she was there for a long time i mean she might have been there for a couple of years and then she totally pulled back and kind of left you guys alone she was gone and i never never had another thing happen ever again there interesting uh 10 clocks that's pretty impressive though (laughs) i can't can't get past that um you know for one clock to do something funny is uh, pretty remarkable. I mean, heck, even, you know, when you have, uh, you know, I've had cases where a clock will stop at 3.33 or 4.44 and it's, you know, okay, battery died. Well, a couple hours later, the clock starts ticking like usual and you go, well, that was kind of strange. But 
to have ten different clocks like thrown off of the wall, that's a whole different ball game there. Yes, and then none of them were broke on top of yeah. that. Yeah, you, you'd think at least one of them was broke on the way down to the floor. Yeah, and it, it was on a hard surface floor, floor uh, ceramic tile. Nothing was broke, it, so it was it was pretty bizarre. Was it daylight savings? Was she trying to tell you to, <laughs> to adjust the time? Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of funny, though, you know, when you have uh, the feeling that, you know, it's a spirit visitor is looking over you. It's almost like the primitive version of these nest cameras people have inside their home nowadays to keep tabs on people's whereabouts. You know, you kind of feel like you're always on, on uh, have the spotlight when somebody's looking at you like that. Um, but your your next story, if I'm not mistaken, has to do with a pretty uh, precarious situation that required you to think on your feet pretty quickly, right? Yes, it did. Um, myself and two of my uh, friends were going down to Kansas City uh, for a NASCAR race, and I had uh, just had a major neck surgery a couple of weeks before that, so I wasn't able to drive. So my friend was driving, and we were uh, down a little bit south of Rockport, Missouri, I believe it was, and... My friend who was driving, uh, Dwayne was his name, he uh, asked me if I could drive for a little bit, which I said, yeah, reluctantly. And so we get pulled over and we're getting out of the car and I get around the driver's side and all of a sudden he just passes out in the ditch, out cold, just fell backwards, didn't break his fall or anything. So I get over there and I get him into the car. I don't know how I did by myself because I was only supposed to lift 10 pounds. And... Uh, we take off driving and he's just screaming and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And so we're going to get him to the hospital and we pull off into some little town, which was, you know, 500 people. And I knew that wasn't going to help him. So we are heading back to the interstate and my friend Joey, who was also with us, he was Googling where the nearest hospital was. And, and I'm like, do I go right? Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I go left? And he's like, I don't know. And something in my head was just screaming, go right, go right, go right. And I'm sure it was my intuition. We get on the interstate and maybe a mile down the road, if that, there's a big sign there that says hospital. So we take that exit. About every half mile, there was a sign directing us, leading us right to the hospital. And, you know, he's having a heart attack this whole time, just screaming at the top of his lungs. And we get to the hospital, and there's this beautiful, nice, regional hospital there. And, and it just, it was like divine intervention. It just led us right there almost by a leash. And so we get him in there, get him out of the car, and, and uh, the doctors are all working on him. And we're out in the hall kind of watching this all, and the doctor comes out to me and says, well, you know, your buddy's most likely not going to make it. And uh, he said, we've got the life flight helicopter coming for him. And so pretty soon that showed up, and... You know, they took him off, and uh, we've kind of always had a rule that when we go to NASCAR races, if a man goes down, we get him to the hospital, and we still go to the race. And Now, I have to ask, Dwight, <laughs> how often has this happened that you lost a guy to the hospital and still went to a race? It's happened about three times. It happened to me once in Daytona. They dropped me off at the hospital, and they went to the race. Do me a favor. Never invite me on your NASCAR trips, okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. But, I mean, at the end of the day, what are you going to do? Are you going to wallow in a hospital or are you going to go have fun? Yeah. And your buddy, uh, thankfully, he did make it, correct? Yes. All yes. Right. Yes. So, yeah, we uh, the helicopter came and took him, and we get in the car, and Joey looks over at me and says, we going to Lincoln or are we going to the race? I said, we're going to the race. So we start to drive out of the... Uh, driveway of the hospital and just about that time three hawks come swooping down right over our hood i mean 
maybe a foot or two foot above our hood. And Joey just looks over at me and had a big smile. And I said, well, that's our sign. He's going to be fine. And we're at the race two hours later. He called us. He said, hey, what's going on? I'm fine. So he had had two, two massive heart attacks, and he was fine. So, he was but, fine. And he's still fine. Yeah, he's still fine. Yep. But I, I certainly believe that divine intervention took that and, you know, helped us there because he didn't have much of a chance. Well, and, you know, not to put too much pressure on you, but, I mean, gosh, had you gone left, he might not be here. He wouldn't be here. He, he would not. I mean, when you heard that voice in your head, and, and I know it may have been a while ago, and I know in the moment it, everything's just kind of a blur, but, I mean, in your head that voice that said go right, did you take it to be like your your own consciousness? Do you think it was a, like a, a spirit guide? Was it your mother-in-law? What did the I, voice sound I like? I think it was one of my spirit guides. Yeah. And, and it was very emphatic, go right, go right. It wasn't, you know. It wasn't calm. It was no, like, it, it was like go right. And it just, it was like very loud, almost screaming it at me. I believe it was one of my spirit guides. And I believe the Hawks were some of my spirit guides telling me that, yeah, it's okay to go to the race. He's going to be fine. Well, and you had started out with there was three of you in the vehicle, right? Right. So it's almost like one Hawk for each of you. Right. You know, Dwayne, Dwayne was the one in the hospital, yep. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know, three Amigos, three Hawks. It's kind of fitting. Yeah. It, it was, it was pretty weird because they all came at the same time and like, from different angles and, and flew right over the hood of the car like it was orchestrated by them. Yeah. So it almost makes you wonder if like in the spirit realms it's like a child's play to get a animal to go in a certain direction at a certain time to cross paths with us to deliver some sort of meaningful message. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm glad. I I'm glad you got to the race. I'm glad Dwayne survived. Uh and and also to backtrack a little bit like you said, you shouldn't have been lifting more than 10 pounds. No, no. You had a neck that's jammed up like you wouldn't believe. You weren't even supposed to drive. No, I wasn't supposed to drive. I wasn't supposed to lift 10 pounds. I, I mean, I I don't even remember it. That was probably a supernatural thing, too, because he was, it was like moving a dead body, you know? I mean, yeah. it, it, I don't know how, I don't remember it. It just happened. I mean, is he a good sized guy? He's not a, a you know, I, he probably weighs 180 pounds. Okay, I mean, big enough, more than 10 pounds. Right, right. <laughs> right? It, and it does make me wonder, you know, you hear these stories of, uh, you know, people find, finding Herculean strength to lift a car off of a kid or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You hear these angelic miracle stories. And while 180 pounds, you know, may not be the weight of a car, um, it does make you wonder if you had some extra help lifting that day because... As a person who suffered from back and neck pain, when your neck is jammed up like that, everything is difficult to do. Just moving is hard, let alone lifting anything. Yes. Yeah. I don't remember it being a struggle at all. It, it was like it was very easy. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was very quick and very easy. And I, I don't remember a struggle with getting him in there at all. It was just, boom, he's in there and we were gone. So. Yeah. Any other uh, paranormal, angelic synchronicity any any other weird things you'd like to share with us i have a lot of i mean you've taught me how to uh trust my intuition and develop it i have tons and tons of things like that happen to me pretty much every single day uh for instance you know one time i was working up on the roof i was going up there to do some caulking and you know the little voice says get a hammer and i'm like i don't need a hammer get a hammer i don't need a hammer i get up there I need a hammer. <laughs> you know, it's just little things like that. And they, you know, 
when I first started coming here, it was very hard to trust those. Now I trust them all the time. And they're right 99.9% of the time. And, and it's, it's just the, the littlest thing sometimes, you know, like if I'll be in town, I can either go around to get to my house on the bypass or I can go through town. Well, sometimes there's a train there, you know, it'll tell me, go around. I'm like, I don't want to go around. <laughs> so then I go the short way. Well, there's a train there, you know, so a lot of things like that. It, it's, I really learned to uh, trust my intuition and it, it's, it's helped me in a lot of, a lot of situations. And so. And your guardian angels are probably smacking themselves in the, in the forehead going, finally, finally yes. you're listening to your intuition, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree with that. Uh, but <laughs> whether you need a hammer or whether it's turn right, let this be a lesson to everybody. Listen to the voices in your head. Sometimes uh, you can be completely sane and you can still hear uh, advice or guidance or directions coming from some other place. And I've said this a hundred times before, but when we listen to our intuition, we tend to we tend to make life easier. You know, when we don't listen to our intuition, we tend to make life more complex than it needs to be. Yes, things you know. certainly become harder when you don't listen to it. And what is it about us, Dwight, like the male species in general? We're hard-headed. And I think that's why men, maybe by and large, just tend to be more skeptical about this type of thing and you know, less likely to trust their intuition. I found it to be true that males are slightly less likely to get signs and messages from the spirit realms, um, not because they, they, you know, the signs aren't there, but just because the men aren't looking because they don't believe. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you're kind of in this uh, minority, I think, of guys who are, you know, open-minded and comfortable talking about this type of thing. So, Well, honestly, I never believed in any of that stuff. I mean, I, I thought there could be ghosts or things like spirits, whatever, but I never believed in the intuition and, uh, and all that stuff. And, and But since coming to you, I mean, I certainly believe in all of that, and it's served me very well. I mean, I really, every day, I, you know, something happens with my intuition every single day. It, it tends to go in um, in clusters, it seems like. I know uh, the feedback I've gotten from a lot of people, it seems like they get a lot of signs and messages and synchronicities all at once. And then it, and then in some cases, not you know, nothing really is happening for a week or two, and then boom, you know, you have 10 clocks fall off the mantle yeah. <laughs> all at once, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's, it's fun. Um, well, hey, thanks for being on the show, Dwight. Thanks for adding uh, those wonderful stories to the season finale, and we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, just a few days before sitting down and recording that interview with Dwight, I actually had my own encounter with hawks. I was sitting in my backyard, kind of soaking up the nice fall ambiance, and I was just having a chat, you know, with anyone listening, you know, my spirit guides, the universe, just kind of having this, you know, a sense of calmness or, you know, serenity came over me, and, and I just started to meditate, you could say, and I, I said, all right, you know, universe, anybody listening, I'd really like to see a hawk. You know, I've always taken hawks to be my sign, you know, from the spirit world that everything is, is good and well and 
and uh, you know it's a good omen, so to speak. And so I'm sitting there, and sure enough, within just a minute or two, I see a hawk flying over my backyard. A few minutes later, there was another, and then another, and all said and done, within ten minutes, I had seen four hawks just kind of gliding majestically over my backyard, and it was. It was amazing, and I, I truly wasn't surprised because, again, you know, those who tend to look for signs generally see them. But moving on from my own experiences, uh, next you'll hear from Sandra, who lives in a part of the country where you're almost as likely to see a Bigfoot as you are to see a hawk. And she discusses her own experiences with something we just can't seem to get away from lately. <laughs> yep, you guessed it, portals. Now, her true story has a Native American twist, and uh, while I don't want to spoil anything, I'll just offer you a small trigger warning here. So the following discussion involved mentions of violence towards Native Americans and children. Now, as a sensitive person myself, I've taken the liberty to edit most of the gory details out of Sandra's story, uh, and I believe you'll still get the gist of what she was trying to say, even though I've omitted some of the graphic descriptions in any case, her experiences are certainly so strange, and here's what she had to say. Okay, next I'd like to welcome Sandra to the show. Sandra, thanks for being on the So Strange Season 3 finale. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for be agreeing to be on here. Now, you have some stories. Well, you have enough stories to fill a book, quite literally. But today we're going to focus primarily, if I'm correct, we're going to focus on your house, your property, kind of the weird energy that's around where you live? Yeah, I have a whole history of things that I'm going to talk about just so people kind of get an understanding of the time and space this all happens. You know, and <laughs> probably and, your favorite topic, past lives. Oh, <laughs> you know me. That's, that's, my, uh, that's my soft spot. Past lives is my favorite topic. Uh, now, just for a little context, you're up kind of near Northern California, correct? So I'm in Redding, California, which is two hours north of San. Sorry, two hours north of Sacramento, two hours south of the Oregon border, three hours from the Pacific Coast. And for anyone who probably knows about the Lemurians, <laughs> we're about 50 minutes south of Mount Shasta, where the Lemurians hide. So very big, energetic area. Uh, and I still, I believe a long time ago you shipped me, I think it's a green tourmaline, I think from... Um, Moldavite. I sent you Moldavite and a piece of green tourmaline Okay. Um, from Mount now, Shasta. And it's said to call in the aliens, right? It's it's like a... It's the, like mold, a... the Moldavite, so the green tourmaline would be from the Lemurians and the Moldavite would be for the aliens. And that was the one I think you mentioned, that one you couldn't keep around because it was so supercharged. <laughs> Now, I don't mean to derail us from the get-go, but for anybody listening who might not be familiar with the term Lemurians, can you can you give a little background context on that? So I'll say I, I'll preface with I'm not 100% knowledgeable. I've only heard the story that they are uh, ancient people that live within the base of Mount Shasta. There have been a lot of reports, even recently, um, where people have come to kind of pilgrim pilgrim have a pilgrimage i'm sorry and have never been heard from again because they were seeking out the lemurians and where they live in mount shasta and um i have many many photos you can actually the second you pull out you can actually pull out from our driveway look north and you can see mount shasta and you can see the lenticular clouds that form and they take the shape of 
a spaceship. It's exactly what it looks like um, all of the time. It has its own weather system thing up there. It, it's amazing. Um, when we go up there, you can feel the energy. It's so palpable. Um, a lot of a lot of other things that I'm not well versed on, but it's kind of amazing. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of mysteries in the world. You can't possibly be an expert on all of them, right? Um, no, definitely not. But it, it's kind of a weird pocket of of energy. You know, you're in the part of the country, you know, you have the mountains, you have the forest, you have the ocean not too far away. You have a lot of, a hell of a lot of UFO activity. And the, yeah, those lenticular clouds, it's a real thing. It's a scientific thing. They They do look like your classic saucer-shaped UFO. You know, and for anybody listening, just think you've probably seen these lenticular clouds maybe over Mount Fuji, those kind of iconic, you know, saucer-shaped mm-hmm. clouds. But you have that going on, and, you know, maybe they're real UFOs that are cloaked. You know, we can only speculate. Um, but you but you also have a lot of, you know, you're in, you're in Bigfoot country there too, Sandra, right? We are. Actually, when you go to the coast, we go there every year in about August. And as you drive out there, you'll pass all of these signs about uh you're about two-thirds of the way there and it's bigfoot country and road signs and this and i've never seen it i personally think it's an interdimensional thing but um it's kind of it's always funny it's always cute we have a Bodie has a bigfoot in his room (laughs) your son does oh my god (laughs) and he has a forest it's a whole forest outdoors tent theme in his room and i thought bigfoot would like it there oh yeah absolutely and i i've been a lifelong Bigfoot enthusiast. I mean, smear me in honey and tie me to a tree. Like if I need to get eaten to have a sighting, I'll do it. I just, I just want to see one of these things because I believe. Yeah. It, and it's the perfect spot. It's the perfect hiding spot. There's tons. We go out to the mountains all the time and trust me, there's plenty of places you could hide out there. It's very mysterious as it is. So that's yeah. a very interesting, this whole area, a lot of people, when they think probably where I'm at, they think I'm close to San Francisco. I'm like four hours from San Francisco and my, we're nowhere near. We're in very like, it's a blend of city and country out here. Lots of space in between things. Um, we're the major city in the North state. So, but it's really neat that we have just, we have um, Native Americans. We've got the gold rush that happened here. Um, all the other mystical things with Lemurians. Um, it was funny, just the other day, in fact, I was thinking about what our connection is, because I always refer to us as cousins, and even though we're not blood-related, I was like, there's got to be some connection, and I'm like, I know you have your deep Native American roots and your whole past life, and I'm going to talk about something that has to do with my past life, and I'm like, that has to be the connection about why we are where we are in our spiritual life in this life, but how our past lives kind of are parallel in a way. Well, let's dive right into the deep end. You know, where, where should we begin? The deep end. Um, I'm going to give a little background on the lay of the land, if you will, because I think it'll make a lot more sense about what I talk about. Um, there's a ton of stuff here in our house. So we'll just dive right in. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I am a lineman spouse. I'm a wedding cake designer, an avid chicken hoarder. I'm a big gardener. And believe it or not, all of this kind of ties into this stuff. Um, The most important part about our home is actually the history of the land. I've only lived in California for 10 years, so I don't have a big history. 
Um, I don't know anything, honestly, besides what I've researched. I never stepped foot in California before I moved here. But we moved here December 31st, 2017. It was a newly built house. It's on just over a half acre. And it used to be like there was orchard trees all over the property. We had to take most of them down, but we have a few uh, left up. For geographical, you know, we already, I'm in Reading, so we kind of covered that. We're in the middle of the North State, but there is a history of Native Americans, the gold rush, um, Mount Shasta, all of that. But another little piece of information that'll kind of make sense down the road is our son. We moved here six weeks before Bodhi was born. He was born in February 2018, I think the day before you before after you he's February 18th um and there was a lot going on with just having getting moved in having a baby I was so focused on all of that that nothing else mattered didn't notice anything with our house to begin with um you know an exhausting blissful time everything was wonderful nothing really bothered me when you fast forward about a year into living in this house I started to have a lot of these feelings of being watched. Um, I keep my bedroom or a master bathroom door closed because I always felt every time I would sleep, somebody was staring at me as I slept and I hated that feeling. <laughs> um, I did not like the spare bedroom. Um, I slept there late in my pregnancy and I never really liked it because I was too too big to get on our bed. <laughs> and that is actually now Bodie's room. You switch from the nursery to that room, but he doesn't even sleep in there. It's beautifully decorated for a kid who doesn't use it. Um, um, the history with all of the experiences that we have have been just very, our house is haunted. It's a new house. So it's not like you would hear that a new house is haunted. It's probably very unheard of, I'm sure. Um, but in January of 2021, we had, I had, because um, my spouse was out of town, I had an experience with our lab, Remy. And I actually remember texting you about it because I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, I documented everything. I was video recording. Um, it kind of set off a chain event, a chain of events to where I am now. Uh, one night, I was sitting doing something. I think I was getting Bodhi ready for bed and she started having like these seizures. And I looked up what seizures and dogs look like and it didn't quite look like that. It actually looked worse and it was, it was actually very scary. Um, she's a healthy dog, no history of health issues. And I actually took her out of the house. And by the time I loaded her up in the car, took her out of the house. My mother-in-law took Bodhi and the seizures would stop. And these were like seizures, as I'm calling them, that never stopped. Like it wasn't like she had it for 20 minutes. It went on for hours. And it was in the middle of the night. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I've never had this experience. Um, it was actually very scary to witness, to be honest. So I ended up taking, after two attempts to go to the vet, she would stop having these seizures by the time I got there. It was weird. My mother-in-law was here and can vouch, and she's a skeptic. She saw me bring the dog back in the house and her convulsion started again. And we use our, again, for a little in background, we always use our garage door and you have to walk through our kitchen. Um, I ended up taking her to my in-laws house. 
she um, to recover. I wanted her body to physically recover because it was clear her being in the house was causing an effect on her for some reason. I took her over there for several days for her to recover. And so that kind of sets the stage of where the activity really started in our house um, and where it was very obvious <laughs> that something was wrong. Um, I remember texting you and it actually you I was like who speaks to dogs I don't speak dog who speaks to dogs and you referred me to like Angie Angie might be able to help our mutual friend and her and I had a couple conversations over a period of several weeks um, a few months later and before I spoke to her I actually called my friend Stacy she lives in Ohio she's a Reiki master she also she's a, a psychic and she was like you know I hate to tell you this, but I, I think you have like a vortex in your house, like in your kitchen. And I was like, wait a minute, you're crazy. What are you talking about? And she's like, I, she was on FaceTime and she's watching Remy having these convulsions. We're in the kitchen. And she's like, there's something there. She was like, I can't quite explain it, but it, it, that's what it is. And so fast forward to speaking to Angie, who has, you know, um, one of the first conversations she first thing she brought up was the vortex in my kitchen. And I was like, I was like, Oh my God. And by the way, her and my friend Stacy don't know each other. One's in Ohio, one's in Nebraska respectively. So the fact that there was no cross conversations and they both brought up a vortex in my kitchen, I, it was unnerving. <laughs> Well, yeah, to say the um, least, and it almost reminds me of the movie Ghostbusters, right? Where didn't that lady, she had a portal like inside her refrigerator? Yeah, it was <laughs> in her refrigerator. It, it literally is right in front of my refrigerator is where it is. Oh, it's right. boy. Like, why does it have to <laughs> so, give dog seizures? Why can't it just make p extra pizza and, up here, right? I know. I was like, of all things. And at that point, we had already lived in the house um, three years and had never had an experience like that. So I don't know if something just awakened it from what I'm I'm kind of told um we started so Angie started talking about the Native Americans that are are part of our property and slowly but surely you know these things started to click in my mind about experiences that I had had and she brought up the experience of a significant event what a, that occurred and it was on our property in a surrounding area and that, and I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll read it to you, but that actually caused this energetic vortex to open up basically in the space that our kitchen now occupies. Uh, there was a massacre that actually happened here of Native Americans of what is known as the Wintu tribe. I had actually no previous knowledge of any of this event before her and I spoke. Um, it never even dawned on me. I, after her and I spoke, I actually ended up doing some research and I found that it's called the Sacramento River Massacre and it occurred in April of 1846. Estimates of casualties vary. The number of Native Americans killed um, claimed to be about 600 to 700 Native Americans right here with another about 200 dying in the water as they were trying to swim or they were shot out. You know, I think our country has a, a very interesting ability to, you know, kind of have this out of sight, out of mind 
ability, you know, where we forget the the past just because we can't see what happened there before. But the reality is that what has happened before, whether it's, you know, uh, slaughtering the natives or, you know, desecrating the land, you know, these things energetically, they have a ripple down effect, you know, and even though something could have taken place, uh, you know, sad, tragic history, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, it has this kind of ripple down effect where, you know, it can... <laughs> In the future, it can cause somebody's kitchen to have a weird energy about it. And, you know, so whether it's that particular incident or other incidents, but yeah, I mean, you got a portal in your kitchen and it's, you know, we can joke about it, but the reality is when you're living in a house that has a, uh, a paranormal portal, it's not, it's not always, it's not always fun and games. It's, you know, it's unnerving. Yeah, maybe. Actually, yeah. We actually have two. There's actually the one in the kitchen and then there's one in Bodie's room in the spare room that I don't like. So of all places, the one room I absolutely don't like, of course there would be one. It's not related. I don't believe it's related to this incident, but it's there. <laughs> so one of the, con so the, the main part of the conversation we had was the Native Americans that are here, obviously that were killed. They're not at peace, obviously. Sorry, what happened to them? Um, they were obviously in a lot of turmoil and the massacre they experienced caused them to stick around on the property, stay earthbound and kind of stuck in a time loop of what they had been through about what had happened. Um, and because of such a large, and we're talking hundreds of people being massacred to death. No wonder something opened up because it was such a negative encounter Um you know, so one of the things that she described that coincided with an experience I had. So I mentioned that I couldn't sleep with my bathroom door open. She started describing the Native American chief and that in a past life, I was actually his daughter. And the presence I felt in the bathroom was him watching over me or kind of gauging, which is very unsettling. <laughs> um to because you know i could tell it was a big figure i could tell it was a man but that was it uh, other than that it was kind of in the beginning of all of this stuff for me um yeah and father figure he, father figure or not protective figure or not if you sense a presence uh you know in a space where you require privacy that's going to kind of make your hair stand on end yeah a little bit um so i was his daughter in a previous life and not only that I had actually survived this massacre and I was meant to come back here in this life to free my people from this spiritual torment. The funny thing is we looked, when we were looking at buying this house or a house, we had looked at 30 other houses, literally. We had a huge list. This kind of came up and it was almost last minute and we bought it. We were in signed contract within three weeks. It was like done. I was about to pop anyway. Like we had to kind of get... And it was just kind of funny that this house was just the house, that this was it. Um, and this is the, the stuff that happened. It connected a lot of dots for me about just various things that have happened, again, going into another time. She also described the medicine woman that resides here. And the medicine woman was talking about my garden, which she wouldn't have known I had, you know, Angie would not have known I had a garden. And she told me about how proud all of the Native Americans are, because since I've been here, it's almost like they've been 
coming out of hiding per se and spending a lot of time on the property around me. Like when I'm out there gardening, I'm actively channeling them and they're doing gardening in their spiritual realm, if you will, and really helping assist me in all of the things that I do. Cause I have a, I have a fairly large garden. It's not just like two garden boxes. You know, I, I actively use it for a purpose and I've been growing medicinal <laughs> plants, you know, in the last few years, which I never thought I had that in me. Um, so that was, so when she brought that up, I was like, I just planted medicinal plants. And she's like, she's guiding you to bring that out. Um, and they're ready to make my, their energy more visible to me. Cause they're still kind of like in the shadows per se. Um, and I can, you know, when we, oh, what was it? I'm sorry. I just lost my thought. Well, I was going to say, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting though, that, you know, these native American spirits around you, they're like, you know, Hey, this, uh, this lady's not so bad. Maybe we can come around her. You know, she, <laughs> she's nice. She grows things out of the dirt. She has chickens. She's a good mom. You know, we're, you know, she's all right in our book. I don't know about the other people, but um, yeah. Well, it's really cool. You know, and I, I had even said, cause honestly, we're ready to move out of this house. I don't know when I hope it's in the next year. Cause this house, the energy is just so palpable. And I was actually worried that if we move, they can't come with me. And she said, that's not the case. I can literally just ask them, you know, do a ceremony and then have them come with me to wherever we go. I was like, okay, good. Cause I want them to be around. I don't want them to just um, go. And it was, it was nice that we did a healing ceremony for them to let their souls be at peace. But also we had to neutralize the energy of that vortex. Because that thing was bringing in all sorts of energy into this house that was just, it was gnarly. Um, she worked, I will give her, she did the work, not me. She worked really hard on closing that and let it kind of become one with the earth again. I do feel the residual energy from it. I think there's bits and pieces still there, but it's definitely not like what it was. Um, and also we also would have malfunctions in our kitchen all the time. Brand new. This is a brand new house with brand new appliances. Why they were breaking all the time made no sense <laughs> to us. It was very frustrating. Um, this is the part, this, this, the second part of this is kind of what really made me believe, believe, if you will, because I'm not a skeptic, but I'm also someone that needs something tangible sometimes. And fast forward about four months after this um, conversation with Angie and I was summoned to jury duty. First time, never done it. Uh, we had a bathroom break at one point. And as I was, <laughs> this is so weird. As I was standing in line, I look behind me and there's a woman standing there. And she was clearly a medicine woman of some kind or someone of Native American descent. Um, embarrassing I said hello and I just blurted out I feel like I need to talk to you and she seemed very calm and she was like okay yeah went to the bathroom went to the side waiting room before we got called back in front of the judge and I began to basically tell her everything in a nutshell she did not seem surprised 
she um, smiled, waited for me to finish. And then she took out her cell phone. She was scrolling through looking for something. And she then showed me a photo. And it was a photo of her great grandparents that survived that massacre. That happened. That particular one? Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you're talking to one of the descendants of this whole thing that you've been researching and um, holy smoke. So for you, it, like everything almost came full circle, huh? Yeah. She invited me. She was like, look me up. I have a whole, I have a TP. I have a whole setup. Um, you know, well, we can talk more. I, I, um, we got, at that point we got called in front of the judge and, and stuff like that. So um, I got kind of sidetracked, but it was, they actually were some of the, her great grandparents actually were the ones who swam across the river to escape and survive. And she said she was not surprised that I was a descendant of the chief. She was, she said she could tell my energy. She said she could tell that Angie, she was like, who's the blonde woman? And I was like, I don't know many blondes. I was like, Angie, she was like, is she a, is she a medium? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, yeah, she checks up on you from time to time. Like she was a big part of this whole story and figuring this out for you. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, we're in jury duty met as a bathroom. How do you come up with this? And how is it that you are of all people, a medicine woman of this tribe? Well, that happened. You may have been the first two humans to talk about uh, Native American portals while on jury duty. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I would say, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the, it's kind of a side note, but intertwined, uh, there was a period of time when Bodhi, our son, started becoming a bit more vocal about things that he has seen. And he would always, I'd be doing something in the kitchen and I could hear him talking and you don't really think about it. Um but he would also act as though there were people in front of the window of his playroom. And basically he was talking to some of the native American children who had been killed and they would play with Bodhi. And that would be some of who he would be talking to. Um, they're still around. They do come in the house. They're very peaceful, quiet. You know, I can sense them. Um, he doesn't really talk about them as much anymore. You know, he just hit five. You know, he, he's very, doesn't talk about stuff that often, but he's kind of scared to. But there was that period of time where he would always talk and point at whoever was out the window and there's nobody there. <laughs> but it was always something that didn't seem to scare him. What was yeah. interesting. Well, because children of that age, they just take it at face value for what it is. I see a person, therefore that person must be real, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, we adults, most adults anyways, they're like, I don't see what you're seeing, buddy. But, you know, it comes a point in time where, you know, after this happens so many times, you're like, okay, that's not coincidence. It's not oh, happenstance. Sure. You're like, there's, there's some method to the madness here. He's seeing something that we can't. Yeah, it's. And Sandra, I know that's a whole other can of worms with all the things that yeah. your son has seen. And I, I've lost track of how many um, videos and pictures and door cam videos you've sent me of weird orbs and floating shadows. <laughs> your house is a yeah. paranormal fun house of mirrors, I tell you what. And yeah. and we'll we'll get to that. I know I sound like a broken record. I've said this so many times, but we'll have you back on the, the show uh, for a full length feature episode. I could have you on for an entire hour just to share more stories about the happenings inside your house in addition to the to the portal 
Um, but uh, don't mean to cut you off. We have a lot of other guests to get to. No, not at and, all. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for being on the So Strange season finale, Sandra. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I look forward to the future. Thanks again to Sandra for agreeing to be on the show. And despite the heavy energy left over from the atrocities that took place on her land, the general vicinity of Northern California, I mean, it's truly stunningly beautiful. It's a rare part of the country that has this hat trick of natural wonders. Because up there in the Pacific Northwest, you have the mountains, the ocean, and the forests. And right there in the middle of all that wilderness, you have Mount Shasta and all its glory. And as we alluded to in Sandra's interview, it's truly a strange place. Mount Shasta, California. Dominating the landscape at over 14,162 feet, this mountain has inspired strange and incredible stories for thousands of years. The local Native Americans have always felt there was something special about Mount Shasta. It was thought that humankind actually originated from within Mount Shasta. That there was a great cataclysm and that the people of planet Earth actually hid within the mountain. When the cataclysm had passed, the people were able to come out of Mount Shasta and repopulate the world. A book came out in the 1890s proposing the idea that there was a culture that lived within subterranean chambers in Mount Shasta. Over the years, there have been a number of very significant UFO sightings around Mount Shasta. And you have to wonder, why is that the case? I don't think we can rule out the idea of some sort of permanent presence buried deep within Mount Shasta itself. That clip was pulled from History Channel over on YouTube. It was a sample of an episode from Ancient Aliens. And we'll ease into the final guest of tonight's show momentarily. She'll describe an account where a spirit helped her survive a potentially life-ending car crash. And last but certainly not least, she will describe a bone-chilling encounter with a skinwalker. But real quick before we dive into that, I just wanted to remind you that becoming a subscriber to this show for only $4.99 a month will grant you access to a back catalog of bonus episodes, which is currently 24 episodes and counting. So moving forward, subscribers will continue to gain access to super strange bonus episodes every single week. So in addition to the regular episodes posted on Friday, you'll get an entire full-length show each Thursday as well. So you know what that means. More stories of portals, more UFO encounters, more signs from the afterlife, more Bigfoot ghost stories, time slips, and uh, some events that are so strange they don't even fit into a category. So click the link in the show notes and become part of a growing community of subscribers. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee, for crying out loud, and it grants you hours and hours of stories that will leave you with goosebumps. So thanks for your support. And now getting back to the action, we're going to bounce over to Portland, Oregon, where Enid will bring us down the home stretch here. Okay, everybody, thanks for sticking with us until the very end. And I promise it'll be worth the wait, because I'd like to welcome to the show Enid. Thank you so much for being here on the So Strange podcast. 
Hi, Andy. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for asking me on. Oh, yeah. It's it's our treat, you know, and, and not to, you know, spin your serious encounters into, you know, entertainment for us. But you have two, actually two encounters that are kind of hair raising. I, I do believe the first one uh, has to do with a very unusual uh, car accident of sorts. So do you want to walk us through what happened and, and give us every detail that you can think of? Sure, sure. Um, it happened about... 20 years ago, I was in my 20s at the time, I was driving home on a road that was going through small towns, and the highway is Highway 23, and it was known to be kind of dangerous, and they in fact made bumper stickers for people that said, pray for me, I drive Highway 23, (laughs) so it was known to be a bad drive, and I was driving at night. It was about 11 o'clock at night, and I was on my way home from theater practice, and I had about another half-hour drive to go. And as I was coming up into one of the smaller towns, there's a big curve that you take, and then you come into the town. And I noticed as I was coming up, there was a police officer and a tow truck on my side of the road on the shoulder, and I started slowing down, and a lot of there was an unusual amount of traffic that night um, for a small town at 11 p.m. And I saw there was a lot of cars coming from the other direction around that big curve. So I got really slow because I wasn't sure what's going on, if I was going to be stopped up ahead or what. And then I also noticed on my side of the road um, a big shiny spot, a, a puddle of something that I realized was coming from a car that had burned out that the tow truck was hooking up and the police officer was standing by. So I thought, well, that could be slippery. So I, as I got closer, I I slowed way, way down almost to a stop because the oncoming traffic as oncoming traffic sometimes does, they like to cut that corner. So they slightly go over the middle line into my lane. And so as I'm doing this and I'm taking in, all this information of the oncoming traffic, the puddle that might be slippery, the burned out car, tow truck, and the police officer on my side of the road, I just felt kind of claustrophobic at the moment. And at that second that I started to realize the pickle I was in, a car, actually it was a 76 Suburban, was behind me and I didn't know it. Um, the driver was a 17 year old female who was lost, didn't know where she was. She was apparently paying attention to what was going on on the side of the road and not in front of her. So as I'm almost stopped, she hit me going about 60 miles an hour. And when I got hit, I didn't know what was going on, uh, cause I didn't see her coming. And all of a sudden I felt like what I would explain as a G force hitting my body and I was flying forward, but I didn't understand why or what the feeling was or why I was feeling that. And then at the same time, I could feel my hands felt like I had huge oven mitts on them and I, my body, I didn't feel, I didn't feel my body except for the huge oven mitt hands. 
And then I, every time I would try to see something, everything was really blurry. And I could see the oncoming traffic headlights that were also very blurry, but very bright. And then they would flash in and out. So I was like conscious, but not conscious. It was really odd. And then also in that moment, I was feeling this huge, like a big, fluffy, soft pillow around my head and neck in the back. Like it was being cradled by this big, fluffy, soft thing. So I'm also seeing my big oven mitt hands steering my steering wheel back and forth and back and forth. And I'm like, how am I doing this with oven mitts on? (laughs) Because I just didn't know what was going on. And then I saw myself going straight into that oncoming traffic because I saw the headlights coming. I kind of heard something I, I think was my tires squealing but other than that I didn't hear anything everything was kind of muffled and then my car came to a stop and I didn't know I still didn't know what was going on I do remember myself saying in all of that what the hell (laughs) because it was so confusing and so the car comes to a stop and I lose the oven mitts and I lose the fluffiness around my head and I start feeling like I'm in my body. I start hearing everything more clear again and my eyes, I'm crying. My face is wet and my eyes start to clear up a little bit so I can see and I'm looking down towards my feet and I'm, I got both feet on the brake and I don't remember doing any of it. So I'm like, what did, what just happened? What did I, how did I do that? And then I noticed my hand was also on the, the shifter in the middle in the console. And I looked over at my hand and there was another hand on top of my hand. And I thought, what? Cause I didn't have anybody in the car with me. Oh my gosh. What, <laughs> what is going on? Right. And this is all happening like in a split second is how, is how it felt. And uh, so I look over at the hand and then I hear someone say, it's OK. You're OK. And I look up in the dry in the passenger seat. And, I was, and the thought that went through my head was, oh, a young man. And then I was like, wait, I feel like I know this young man. Who is this guy? And he's kept saying, you're OK. You're okay. It's okay. And then I was like, oh my God, it's my grandpa who I was super connected with as a young child. He died when I was seven. But you still remembered his voice. Oh, I remember everything about my grandpa. He was my, he was my best human in the whole world. But yeah, he took over my body is this is what I um, kind of felt at the time. And then also kind of got confirmed um, after I went into a shamanic journey with a shaman and was confirmed at that time. But yeah, so my grandpa was there. Um, the well, All of a sudden, all that got broke by um, the cop coming over and knocking on my window, waking me up <laughs> from all this. And my grandpa disappeared and the cop is, wasn't very, uh, he was not, not very good at what he was doing. Let's just put it that way. He um, didn't care if I was 
He didn't check if I was okay. He said my car looked fine, told me to drive home, didn't call an ambulance or anything. It was just weird. Uh, My car was not fine. It was totaled. So he's lacking bedside manners and general human protocol to make sure another person's okay. Completely, yes. Now, about you said this was about 20 years ago, Enid? Yeah. So we're talking 2003-ish. Um, yeah, I think protocol would be... I think officers today are trained with a little more tact and empathy, even compared to two decades ago. But it's interesting, though, because you said it was a 70, 76, 77 uh, Suburban that hit you. So even by... 2003 standards this was a pretty old vehicle and that's noteworthy to say because if it was a, a suv from the 70s i mean that thing's basically a steel tank i mean those it things is. are massive yes it was a solid body solid frame so there was no crunch zones or anything like that and in fact my car i had a 2006 monte carlo so yeah it wouldn't have been a quite 20 years ago but my car was brand new so i think it might this might have been about 2000 I, I don't know. Yeah, it was somewhere flies. around there. <laughs> Unimportant <laughs> point, really, but except that um, my car was brand new. It was a 2000-something, early um, 2000s Monte Carlo, which I had just gotten. I hadn't even had it a week. And uh, thankfully, I did have that car because it had a lot of crunch zones and probably saved a lot of injury to me. Um I mean, airbags, <laughs> airbags and safety features are one thing, but you throw in a, uh, a spiritual, you know, safety device in, yeah. in your grandpa. And my goodness, I mean, it's it's and it, as you notice, I didn't say anything for like the first five or six minutes because you have me just on the edge of my seat. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? Um, so obviously all this goes down in a matter of seconds to you. It mm-hmm. probably felt like much longer because time probably seemed to slow down. Right. Yes, very much. Um, what's with the oven mitts? I mean, was that a, was it, I mean, do you take that to mean like the oven mitts were his big old hands, you know, basically on top of your hands? Is that the sensation? I think that the oven mitt feeling was him taking control of my hands. Um, cause I had no control, but they were doing a whole lot of stuff and they were working, um, to steer that vehicle and steered it into the ditch and through all the oncoming traffic. So I think that that's, it was just that he had control of my hands, basically. Um, I'll, I'll mention too, the whole deal with my head being cradled and around with softness. I did have some neck injuries, but nothing like I could have had at all. Um, that actually turned out to be someone um else besides my grandpa like I said there was a woman in the back seat who was holding my head and I didn't understand quite who she was um and I I kind of forgot about her honestly until later that night um when I finally got home I was just too shook to sleep so I sat out in my living room and I put on some quiet music and crawled in into a blanket and I I kind of went into this weird trance during that time I think I just uh, kind of went into a meditative state trying to calm my nervous system. And while I was in that state, uh, I saw a, a woman walk around the corner into the living room and stand there. And I, in my mind's eye, turned and looked at her and thought, who are you? And she was kind of floating above the the floor a little bit she wasn't standing completely on the floor and I could see some color she had old type clothes on 
um, maybe like 1800s ish. Um, and I just thought I got to go to bed. This I'm getting all whacked out. So I stood up and I didn't really see her anymore. I thought until I got close to where she was. And then she was like a black vapor. And I walked through her because I was just trying, like, I was like, not sure I was really seeing what I was seeing. But then when I was trying to fall asleep, realized, oh, that's the lady that was in the backseat of my car. So again, when I went into this uh, journey with the shaman to try and understand, because she said it was important, I really needed to understand the details of what happened to me. And so that woman turned out to be a mother of mine from another past life who she died during childbirth. And but before she passed away, held me and told me as a little baby that she would never leave me and she would always be there to protect me because she knew she was dying and couldn't do it in that lifetime. Her name was Veronica, which turns out um, I was raised Catholic. I'm not Catholic anymore, but I was made to go through confirmation. And in excuse me, in confirmation, you have to choose a confirmation name. And when I chose my name, I chose Veronica. So I, I had no, um, I had no idea why I chose Veronica. I just did. So I mean, this just interesting how all these things start to tie together in your life. All yeah. your paths come together. Um, your ancestors never really leave you. You know, it's just it. I love that kind of stuff, and it's fun to find out the details of that. That's remarkable. And, and yeah, everything kind of does have a way of coming full circle or, you know, you could say hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's, it's kind of weird when, you know, things from the past kind of boomerang back and are significant in the present because back when you chose that as your confirmation name, you had no idea that you were going to be in that car accident. You had no idea that you'd be saved by a woman named Veronica. Nope. Um, it, it, it was almost like an, an intuitive glimpse into the future on your part, Enid. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a lot of those. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah, and it's kind of funny how the, you describe the uh, almost like the neck cushion, how she prevented you from having more significant neck injuries. Almost reminds me of one of those like airplane pillows, right? Yes. That you, yes. you tuck, tuck behind your neck and shoulders for extra support. And in yes. like a paranormal or spiritual sense, she she threw you a bone and kind of strapped one of those bad boys on you during that uh, you know near fatal car accident. Yes. Yeah. And when I did take the car into the body shop to have it looked over to see if it could be repaired, um, there, the repairs were a lot. Um, but one of the things that they pointed out to me was the seat that I was sitting in. They couldn't figure out for a while what was wrong with it because it was bent so far back. I got hit so hard that the seat bent so that the, it was laying on the back seat, basically the upper part. And, the every all the mechanisms seemed to work fine. It w- was when they took the entire seat out with the seat frame and everything that they realized that the seat frame had been folded in half, the metal frame, and that's how hard I got hit. Holy smokes! It, yeah. It's a miracle you're still upright. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it sure is. Sure is. And we're all thankful for that. You know that, that <laughs> yeah. not only that you could come on the show and talk about your experience, but just that. You know, you survived that. You had a lot of life yet to live. I mean, you you were you were relatively young at the time, and and my gosh, how fate could have gone so differently. Right. And 
So thanks to Gramps. Big shout out to your grandpa. What was your What was your grandpa's name, or what did What did he go by in in your little shoes? Um, his name was Clarence, and Clarence. he actually hated his name. <laughs> but yeah, his name was Clarence. He was my everything as a little baby. He he couldn't wait for me to be born. We had a strong bond before I was even out of the womb. He carried me everywhere. He built me a swing set so that he could swing me on there and sing to me. And he had all those little songs that he sang. And and he had he was a woodworker. And um, at some point he had used a table saw and accidentally sawed off some of his fingers. And there was only one that he couldn't they couldn't sew back on. And so when I was little, I used to count all of his fingers. And when I'd get to that finger, I'd say, whoops, no finger. Oh, no. <laughs> I have, um, yeah, I have a lot of good memories that probably some of the best memories of my life are with my grandpa, even though I only had him seven years. He must, and that's a really young age. He must have really made an impact on you if you still have so many memories after losing him at only seven. Yeah, how about we dedicate the season finale to your grandpa? Sounds like a hell of a guy. Thank you very much. I, I'm sure he will appreciate that as well as I do. If I'm allowed Thank to you. make a bad joke, I'm sure he'll give this podcast a nine out of ten. All the fingers, <laughs> all the fingers he can hold up. <laughs> oh, yep. Nope. No finger. <laughs> oh man, poor joke. Sorry about that. Um, nope. He would he would find that hilarious. He was always a jokester. So, <laughs> well, coincidentally, my grandpa was also named Clarence. So, oh my goodness. A, Funny little synchronicity there. But um, so you survived the car accident. Now, last but not least, you have a skinwalker story. And I, I do have to ask, there was a skinwalker story. Did that come um, chronologically after the car accident experience? No, I actually grew before. up. This was before. This is when okay. I was a little girl. Um, I grew up. We built our house. My parents built their house on um, Native American land. We didn't know it at the time. Uh, and a lot of death happened there um, when the white men came in. This was in Minnesota, by the way. Um, we lived by a lake, and we it, we found out later that there were Indian burial mounds across the street from us and everything. I mean, it was just kind of like the movie Poltergeist, honestly. And But I had a lot of experiences with Native Americans when I was little, you know, as, as some little kids are very open to the veil and I could see all sorts of things. I talked to spirits all the time. My mom would find me in the basement at age three in the dark basement, standing at the bottom of the stairs, having a, an adult conversation with someone that wasn't there. Um, and so anyway, to the skinwalker, I was, I was maybe five years old or less and one night I got up in the middle of the night to go use the bathroom, which, you know, I, I, my house was haunted. So I was always scared to get up in the middle of the night. But so I jumped out of my bed so nothing could grab me from under my bed. And I ran to the bathroom, did my thing, came back. And as I my bed was next to the window and I never looked out the windows at night because I was scared I was going to see something. And as I'm walking past the window to crawl back in bed, I had this feeling look out the window, look out the window. And so I did. And when I did, I met eyes with what in my child's mind thought, oh, a dog. And it was standing in our driveway looking directly at me with very shiny eyes. And at the same time, I love animals. So I, a dog would be like, oh, poor dog, where did it come from? Does it need help? Would be my initial reaction. But 
it wasn't. I felt panic and I started hyperventilating and I couldn't break my eyes away from him. And at the same time, I'm looking at this thing going, that's the weirdest dog I ever seen. Because I thought, well, maybe it's a German Shepherd or something like that. But then its back end was very strange looking. And it seemed like it was standing taller in the back. Its back legs weren't shaped right. And I was waiting for it to move so I could see it move and see what if, how it moved. Because I thought maybe it was hurt or something like that. And instead, I got this rush of fear come at me that almost made me throw up and I fell to the floor and just sat there hyperventilating um, terrified it was going to come get me and I, I eventually crawled back in bed and went to sleep I didn't tell anybody about it and it haunted me for quite a few years I didn't understand why it wouldn't leave the memory of it and the fear that came with that memory so again working with a shaman as an adult um this was just probably six years ago we were trying to help me get rid of some old fears out of my system and stuff and that one came up and when when you work with a, a good shaman um they're able to see what you see in your mind they see your memories and stuff and she could see what I, I saw. And she told me that's that wasn't a dog. What you saw was a skinwalker. And I was as soon as she said that, I thought, oh, my God, that's it. Like, I felt like I, I solved this long mystery. A puzzle was solved. And but she said also um, the fear that you felt was to break you away from it so you didn't attract it to you because it wasn't there for you it was there for someone else and knowing that I had this our house was built on Native American land and we had the burial grounds around there and all that I thought it would it made sense to me an, a skinwalker um so yeah so that that uh, issue got solved we were able to let go of the fear from it and knowing that it wasn't there for me but yeah that was an experience i had seen a skinwalker <laughs> i have goosebumps uh, <laughs> man skinwalker uh shapeshifter you know they go by many names you know uh, they are heavily steeped in native american lore and legend and you know a lot of people there's kind of a debate within the cryptid community you know, there's a lot of reports of dogmen, you know, dogmen sightings, these upright yeah. canine, bipedal, wolf-like creatures that are, in some cases, there are reports of uh, them able to run 50, 60 miles an hour on two feet. Some of them alternate between being on all fours and, and, on, and bipedal. And mm -hmm. yeah, uh, piercing amber-colored eyes, big pointy ears like a German shepherd. Typically, uh, when they are on all fours, people are reporting that these things, they do look awkward. You know, their, their legs, either the front legs or the hind legs are a different proportion. They look awkward. They look uh, almost like a hodgepodge stitched together, you know, almost like a, you know, almost like a monstrosity that was created in a lab. Right. We, yeah. we can only speculate, you know, was this a uh, skinwalker shapeshifter? You know, was it a, you know, a, a demon or a monster who was taking the shape of a wolf? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, on the other hand, you have these people that says, no, these are, you know, flesh and blood uh, creatures, 
you know, they're, they're upright dogs, they're, you know, upright canine wolves. Uh, we'll never know. But regardless of what you want to label them, it doesn't make the experience any less terrifying when you see one. <laughs> no, it, it was pretty terrifying. And in fact, um, I'm not afraid of a whole lot of stuff because I've experienced and seen a lot of odd things in my life. But that I never want to see one again. I I won't even watch movies or anything that have like werewolves in it or anything because I it just freaks me the heck out. I can't. <laughs> I don't blame it. You don't want to be triggered like that, you know. So you right. gotta choose your uh, <laughs> yeah choose your movies wisely. I have to ask. At any point, you said it was kind of froze there. At any point, did it seem like it was going to stand upright? Did it did it move whatsoever, or did it kind of freeze like a deer in the headlight when you looked at it? It was frozen. Um, and I I did look one more time very cautiously to see if it was still standing there um, after the whole sight of it, um, but it was gone. Mm-hmm. So it, if, whether it ran away on one or on two legs or four, I don't know. <laughs> and you weren't going to check tracks either, no, so I, I, don't, I don't blame you. Now, <laughs> it goes without saying, I mean, you're, you sound like the quintessential old soul. I mean, talking to spirits in your basement when you're three years old and you know, suffice to say, you're a very intuitive person and, you know, intuitive people, they tend to go off their gut feelings for obvious reasons. And your initial gut feeling when you looked at this thing was, like you said, it wasn't, oh, where's this dog's owner? Poor, cute, you know, puppy. It was like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. I, I can't look at this anymore. I'm going to be sick. Yep. Yeah. Do you remember the eye color at all, Enid? And, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot. This was a long time ago. Um, do you remember the eye color, eye shape? Yeah, it was a like a golden amber color and it was they were bright. And I I also do remember thinking, how is it reflecting? Because there was no lights on. We didn't we were way out in the country. So and the moon, I don't recall the moon being full or anything. I don't remember, though. But even still, um, they were they were glowing like a candle. Almost like they were internally illuminated, you could say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, little light bulbs. Yeah, a lot of people report the same thing with uh, certain Sasquatch sightings. And, um, you know, I'm sorry to keep calling this a, a, a dog man, but, you know, skinwalker, dog man, whatever you choose to label it. A lot of reports of these things are similar to Sasquatch. They're like almost internally illuminated. So even if there's no porch light or moonlight, they're still able to glow from within. Um, yeah. And I, about how old were you? I mean, you, you said you were pretty young at that point. Yeah, it, I think I was under five years old. Yeah. And the reason I remember that, well, I remember being really young and barely able to see up over the windowsill to see out the window, but also because um, I believe at age five, six, I changed bedrooms in the house. My brother and I switched bedrooms because I was too scared to stay in that one anymore. Oh, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> as far as I'd be concerned, you could throw a blanket over that mirror and box off that room never to be used again. Uh, right. <laughs> scary stuff and and this kind of brings us full circle because earlier in the show we had sandra talking about her house that was built on you know ancient native american ground lesson of the story people don't build a house on native american grounds (laughs) you know good things don't tend to happen when that's your starting point you know you have skinwalkers you have portals in the kitchen and and god knows what else but uh enid i'm i'm glad that nothing you've experienced not skinwalker nor car accident has uh you know, derailed you from carving out a nice little life for yourself. So thanks Thank for you. 
thanks for being brave enough to come on here and talk about these things with everybody. That takes a, a lot of courage, quite frankly. And uh, on behalf of everybody here in the So Strange community, I just want to say thank you for that. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I uh, used to not tell people my stories and then I felt like I was keeping secrets. I needed to get it out. And I find that it really helps other people to open up and understand themselves and their own experiences more also. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. You know, everyone tends to have a story, uh, you know, they're just hesitant to share it. But if we all step forward and say, you know, this is a safe, a safe space, if we've experienced something odd or unusual, it doesn't make a person crazy. It, you know, you just have to talk about it, get it off your chest. And ultimately, it could help with the healing process. So, yeah, exactly. All right, Enid. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, you have yourself a great weekend. OK, thank you, Andy. You too. Thanks again to Enid for sharing two amazing stories that, quite frankly, not everybody would be brave enough to talk about. And let her car crash story be a reminder to all of us that when we're driving along and, you know, scanning the fields for Bigfoot or looking up at the night sky in hopes of seeing a UFO, be sure to keep one eye on the road at all times. You know, be mindful of the vehicles in front of you. Slow down. Stay focused. Be safe. Not everybody's lucky enough to have the spirit of their grandpa take the wheel if things go wrong. And as for the Skinwalker sightings, <laughs> I'm not really sure what to say. I do believe they're out there, though. You know, call them what you want. Dogmen, skinwalkers, werewolves. There are things in the woods that we cannot possibly explain. You know, things that shouldn't exist, but somehow do. And don't let it stop you from enjoying nature. Just be mindful that when you're driving down a country road or hiking through the woods that you might not be at the top of the food chain. Proceed with caution and have respect for all the creatures, both seen and unseen. That being said, if you want a sleepless night, <laughs> hop on over to Dogman Encounters Radio. It's a podcast specific to Dogman sightings, and it's a first-hand eyewitness reports, over 400 episodes and counting. So if you don't believe in skinwalkers and werewolves just yet, you will by the time that you're done binging on that show. As for this show, I'll be absent next week. I'm uh, actually going to take a week off between seasons to dust some cobwebs off the So Strange Studios and to get some new content ready for the start of Season 4. But if you can't bear to go a single week without a new episode, uh, please consider becoming a subscriber. A special episode will be available next week for subscribers only, and it may or may not include a sneak preview of my upcoming book. Wink, wink. Uh, but until then, thanks for crossing the finish line with me. Uh, season 3 is officially in the books, and I do believe it was the strangest one yet. I promise to keep you on your toes with more content, more guests, more exciting news, and uh, even a couple surprises that I have up my sleeve for the near future. So whether you're listening to this podcast while you're at work, while you're at home doing yard work, or while you're driving home from the office, thanks for letting me be a part of your weekly routine. I promise to keep delivering content that's so bizarre, so thought-provoking, and so strange. Thank you.